Hello, I'm Yasmin Mesh Johnson. And I'm Yasmin Bilkis Ibrahim. We are Y Square Pod. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. For those who celebrated Eid yesterday, we hope you enjoyed the holiday and, you know, bring some food, some beef our way. Well, your way. You know, I'm pescatarian, girl. Oh, that's Mm. true. How's that going, Yas? You know, I started this pescatarian journey like last month, and the first week it was hard, I'm not gonna lie. But I read somewhere that after 21 days, something becomes a habit. And it's so true. Like, I don't even crave beef and chicken. I'm not saying I might not tear up a rib or a wing once in a while. But for now, the past six weeks, I've been good. Oh, that's good. I've mm. done that for like a week, pescatarian. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, give me my chicken, give me my meat. I'm good, I'm good. All right, cool. So we're going to dive into the interesting facts. And then we'll let you know what this episode is about. So today's interesting facts. Hmm. Let me say this with my chest, my breast. Yes, it's too happy for this. Woohoo! Do y'all know that Salon Jolof won the competition this year in Washington, D.C.? Whoop, whoop. Yes, yeah, so all my Nigerian haters out there, Nigerians, Ghanaians, Liberian, okay, I don't know if that's a country, Liberia, <gasps> so, Gambia, yes. all of you Anglophone countries out there, because I'm not talking about like, you know, OG Senegal, you know, that is, they are the originators, as I've said last season. I'm talking about the Anglophones that like to talk mess. We won, and World Jollof Day is August 22. Catch my stories at Mina Bilkis, throwing shade as usual. But yeah, Salon Jollof, lives matter. Do you want to say it louder for the people at the back? Like- Salon Jollof, <laughs> lives matter! <laughs> Okay, as you guys know, Yasmin is very passionate about that. Mm-hmm. But no, that is good to know, you know, that we finally won. Apparently, so before that, we came second, and then the year before. No, because like there's so many Nigerians, they're always making noise. Woo! That's why. But the truth prevails always. Justice <laughs> was served. 2019 the is truth our year. Will always come out. Yes! <laughs> so this week's episode is. Sex, Sex and, and education. education. Hmm. So, yeah. so hmm. what should we talk about first? Well, you know, we should educate everyone, no? Or what do you think? Well, you being the teacher, <laughs> that's, that's your stance and everything. But um, no, for a while, we've wanted to discuss education, both of our education background, um, what the education is like in Sierra Leone, and then what kind of brought up the sex element was I saw a tweet recently, I was triggered by that, and the person was basically just saying, okay, so after sex, what else? Like, they put sex on a pedestal, basically. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people agreed with the tweet. There was, like, multiple retweets and likes. So I was just like, hmm. Then it got me thinking, well, it's probably just how people, like, how are they taught about sex? That's and true. I guess the two links. So, yeah, sex and education. So how are you taught about sex, Yes. Uh, in school, so I was in the States then in middle school. And um, in sixth grade, the first level of junior secondary school, I guess. So we're taught about um, it in our health class. And it was like the bull crap way, like, okay, well, there's a man and there's a woman. And, you know, after nine months, a baby can happen. I said, but I'm not understanding. How is the <laughs> child coming about, you know? So we learned basically about, like, how to... We learned about abstinence, more so, yes, in sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, we're taught um, about puberty, so I'm just like, how are you going to teach us about abstinence before puberty? So that did not make sense. And um, so I brought this to my mom's attention. So she didn't really give me the talk much either. She just gave me a book about puberty and, you know, sex. And that's 
how I pretty much learned to. And then through high school, it got a bit more in-depth and advanced. But yeah, it's when I became uh, an adult, really, and I went to university, I started to read more about it and about sexual reproductive health rights. But that was my first introduction. I learned abstinence before puberty. Ridiculous. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, similar to me. Well, not similar. I did not learn about abstinence first so at school I think it was the same year year six we had like a video like they sent letters home like okay we're gonna going to be teaching about puberty to the children Mm -hmm. so this was year six or year five I don't know what that is in it's the same right yeah yeah class five what would that be in salon yeah class five class six yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so they just had like this video it was a cartoon and it was funny (laughs) it was just like i think it was two people a boy and a girl they were going out to like a youth club or Mm -hmm. to a club or something and then it would just highlight um like the sweat patches okay and like oh this is smelling or it was it was very like over dramatic actually and then there was talking about how you would grow hair in these places that's why it would, might smell so you need to use this um other than that it was very basic mm. um but the actual learn about sex like other than biology at school i think that was it i don't Same. actually have like a actually we did we did have people come in yes we did as well yeah Yeah. they would talk about like safe sex but i wouldn't say they would it was a thing of teaching us about sex like the meaning behind it Mm -hmm. um but yeah when people would come into schools it it was just the basics like um the age restrictions okay so Um, the legal aspect yeah yeah and when to know when someone's being forceful what the different terms are what is um rape etc right terminology is more than actually what sex is yeah that's the thing i feel like the way that they taught us because it's based on the school curriculum so there's only so much that school or that county or wherever you are will allow you to do especially in sierra leone so it's like they more so intellectualize sex as opposed i'm not saying give us the practical examining you know you can't do that Mm. but like tell us I just deep what you said. <laughs> but tell us in a straight manner, because I felt like because of the lack of directness, we were more confused than anything. So that mm. will lead students to go and Google it themselves. Or just be or curious. Co- yeah, be cur- oh, curious themselves, yeah. yeah. Or come across porn or, you know, whatever it is. So, ah, but speaking of which, when was the first time you saw porn? Not by choice. I'm trying to expose you. Maybe... You were passing by and someone was, um, was on their phone, honestly, stuff like that. in the UK, I could just say going into any, like, shop. Like, it's a lie. I swear, like, they would have the... I think now they've changed the, restri- the restrictions. Like, the um, old adult magazines are, like, higher up. So they're not in, like, children's uh, eye view. Okay. But back in the day, like, in the 90s, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd probably say, like, in a shop, like, on a magazine. Just yeah. casually like that? Yeah. Huh, no, you know in the thing. states, or well, even they have this thing. Sorry, mm-hmm. they have this thing called um, page three in the newspapers. So that's you'd have like a model girl, topless half of the time or most of the time, a topless oh. woman, and yeah, it's very, it was very just like open. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I think it still happens. Page actually, no, that's still a lie. I think they've banned it. I think some newspapers still do it. These are like actual newspapers. No, really. Mm-hmm. 
I think the one thing that shocks me about British culture, I mean, growing up, I went to the UK, but I have little to no memories. So my first actual memory of going to the UK was when I was 14. And um, something that shocked me, one, there's no commercials typically during a show. In the the States, every five minutes is a commercial. Commercials. I know, right? Your commercials are like 15 minutes. I know, they're Uh, ridiculously long. But I mean, that's what pays them, right? Yeah. And then at 10 p.m., I know, because usually like in the States, 10 p.m., like you watch all like, you know, the shows you're not supposed to watch, like Family Guy, those kind of things. So I, that's what I was expecting to watch. But then I see say Blue Sky on. And I was like, eh? That's what, like, there was porn going on. I was like, what? What kind of country is this? I was like, okay, let me just flip the channel. And then my cousin was like, yeah, after 10 p.m., like, everything is unrestricted. I was like, what? This is not like a... In, in the States, you have, like, a, a different package that you have to purchase. So I didn't know that after 10 p.m., it's just free flow no more. I was it's like, the same in the UK. Although <laughs> I think the time is different. It's probably, like, at 2 a.m., like I remember even um, Living TV. I don't know if that's still a station, but they it was the same with them. Like after midnight, it'd be that all adult content. Yeah. No, you have to pay for it. I mean, I don't know about now, but like back when I was growing up, yeah, you'd have to pay for that kind of content. Very, very interesting. But no, yeah. So in Salon, in Creole, pornography is blues. So yeah, I don't know why it's oh, called blues. I yes, didn't know that. that's the word. Okay. It's blues. Yeah. So, um, it. In as much as they say Sierra Leone or Africa were not a sexualized country, um, continent or whatever. Are you sure? Who told you that? I, wait, no, that's why I'm saying this in quotes. Oh, yeah, it's not like you all can see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like um, it definitely is. And they, they say that, oh, no, it's, it's the West that is um, um, infiltrating our young mind lies. Let me tell you, in school... Bana bana in classroom, people having their phone. Hey, last time for you that new blues. I'm like, eh. Listen, mm-hmm. yeah, this was like when I was in ninth grade, form three, openly. So that's what? where that was the first time I saw it. Yeah, in class, it's like they were tricky. The boys are stupid. They're like, oh yeah, let me show you this new skit. Me with my dumb self, I'll go. On. I'm like, oh. But are they are they people that are here in salon, or is it just things that are like international? No, blues? okay, yes, I went to an international school, but no, no, this is all kids. No, 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 not the kids. I'm saying oh. the, the blues, the news. Oh, the blue. Oh, you know. No, it's man bluesy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's always like white people pornography. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, so I'm just like, uh-uh. who even has time for that? Yeah, so it was just it was just everywhere, everywhere. And that was before WhatsApp and stuff like that. So obviously people did this via Bluetooth or they downloaded it with LimeWire. I'm just like, can Ugh. you imagine going to school now with all the social media? Ah, me, I'm not be able to. That's I don't what even I'm think I concentrate. It's like there's just too much temptation. Like every two seconds, if it's not Snapchat notification, this or that. But if these schools were smart, a lot of them would block them. Like well, access, yeah, but, but you, you know the internet don't... in school as well, right? But you know, not all of the schools are Wi-Fi connected. You're thinking like that. Uh, any schools Wi-Fi connected in Salon? Uh, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> yes, my school had Wi-Fi. Don't even, don't even uh, come uh, to my school I like that. Yeah, you went to a different school. I'm saying the uh, general, like a government-assisted schools. Yeah. No, they do not have. To my knowledge, not. I mean, maybe the annual Walsh does. It's possible. Anything is possible at the annual. Ooh, Ooh. so Saint Joseph students. Or past students, I know y'all are salty. It's possible. I was going to say, my mum will listen to this. And it's like, yes, annuals, yes. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, but for the most part, no. Government-assisted schools do not have Wi-Fi. Yeah, but that's something that might change. Hey, free education, you never know. I feel like we should have invited a teacher who's at a government-assisted school just so they could tell us what they do have and what they don't have because I don't want to be rude and shade them like, okay, what do you guys have? But I went to, I've been to, I've visited two schools government assisted schools here mm-hmm. so far and such as no i'm not mentioning them no. <laughs> wow 
I know. Well, well you know, I work with the, the Vine uh, girls for Girl Up. So at their school, they don't. So like I said, not trying to, you know, blanket all the schools in Sierra Leone. But for the most part, no, government assistance schools But even don't. subjects, a lot of some subjects they don't even have. Well, that's because the Ministry of Education, I think that's changing now with the comprehensive um, sexual manual, um, sexuality manual that they're trying to um, create. But no, you're not allowed, in quotes, to teach um, sexual reproductive health rights. Mm. Yeah, so they, they used to have like the, fam- the family planning um, manual. That, that thing was crap. Like, it had typical gender roles, and that's how they taught to Oh, the mama is here, she cooks. Papa goes yeah, to the work. home economics rooms. Yeah, so, yeah. so I the was curriculum really was called family planning. That. Yeah, I, we never had that in the UK. The most we would have in terms of like design and technology, like we'd have the food technology room and then the design workshop, carpentry space. But the home economics, I was like, oh okay, this yeah. is new yeah, well, to me. That's true. We have home economics. Um, that's taught mostly in elementary school, primary school. And I think in government-assisted schools, it's taught in middle school, yeah, so in junior secondary school. So in Sierra Leone, let's talk about in the Sierra Leone context, the educational system is uh, it's six, three, and now three, meaning that the primary school is um, six years, uh, middle school is three years, and senior secondary school, high school is three years. It used to be four years, but the New Direction government, they've removed the last year. So a lot of senior secondary school students are happy. Uh, it used to be three years, but then the former government added one year. They felt that they needed an extra year to prepare for their external exams. The results still were abysmal. And then this new government promised that they would eradicate the, the fourth year of the senior secondary school program. So they did. So now it's back to six three three. So it's 12 years again. And um, in Sierra Leone, the middle school exam is called Bekem, Basic Education Certificate Exam. So you take eight subjects and then you enter your streams. We've talked about streams before. So when you go to high school, you either go to the art stream, the science stream, or the commercial stream, where you take those subjects. I told you I was in the science. But yeah, if you schooled here, what stream would you go to? I was just about to, to say, to? we never clarified. So me, I did all my schooling in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you've been in between... Salon and America. America. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she was actually explaining the streams to me recently, and I was like, "That is so interesting because we don't have that same concept in the UK. Like, mm. if I did an art subject, I could still do, um, I don't know, a science subject. Mm-hmm. I could still do a math subject. So the concept of streams, I was just like, oh, okay. So what were the different streams? Um, you have the art. Yeah. So science. the art stream, you take like the liberal humanitarian subjects, you know, uh, humanities subjects, history, literature, that kind of thing. If you're in science, like me, you took hardcore science. So biology, chemistry, physics, those were your core. Uh, further math, uh, calculus or pure math, depending on what institution you went to. Regular math, and yeah, those are the five core. And if you went to the business stream, you take like accounting, economics, um, business studies, those kind of subjects. That's so limiting though. Very, yeah. So you were not allowed to like crisscross. No. Like, that's really cool, like putting you in a box. Mm-hmm. Like, you can only do this. You can only, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not being for like that at all. Uh, no, it was very rigid. Very, very rigid. Um, the only uh, allowance that we had are elective. So you could either choose. Um, geography or French obviously I chose French but um it that's not to say whatever stream you enter that's what you end up being in but that's how you're groomed in Cerulean that you can only be a doctor a lawyer speaking of I always say this to my mom like for career day in Sierra Leone did they only show 
engineer, lawyer, doctor. Because it no, just that's a like very that's... Western concept. We don't have career day. I know. Yeah. But I'm just saying, in general, the amount of people that become doctors, lawyers, engineers in Sierra Leone, it feels like it's very saturated, those um, areas of work, in comparison to, I don't know, a farmer, a electrician, right. Right. a, you know. Well, I think this is also another reason why we have such a high um, graduate unemployment rate, because mm, a lot of them flock towards the studying. Yeah. yeah. How many of these firms are hiring people, for goodness sake? How many people are even going, are even called to the bar? So... No, I mean, nowadays, yes, you see more forward-thinking, innovative educational tools that they use. So, I mean, I've gone to institutions that they have career days. But in my day, no, that kind of thing, they didn't do. Wow. We didn't have career days, so no. So, you didn't do work experience? Um, I did because, like, I mean, my, just because of the kind of household I'm from. Mm-hmm. So, my mom pushed mm-hmm. me into work experience, yeah. But if I grew up any other way, no. The average Cerulean will go to university with zero internship experience and graduate the same way, no skills, just a degree. That's crazy. So that's why they sit at home for years, unemployed. Wow. So, but now this new wave that we have, you know, students go to school and they have a side hustle, mm-hmm. which is great, which also amounts to their business in some cases. So that's great. You see people that are studying sociology, but they have a hair care line. Someone is a law student and they have a t-shirt line. That is fantastic. You have to. You have to. In I this mean, climate. In this economy, <laughs> you really cannot just be thinking, okay, I'm going to school to get my degree to go no to an office. No one has one job. Nobody. But the thing is, why would you even want to? Because we live in a country. To. You can't afford to. That's one. Salon and salon is so flexible in the sense that, like, if you're at your job, not to say that people are not doing their jobs, but you have the leniency to do other things as well. You might be sent out of the office, and during that time, you can do your little. In salon, we call um, side hustle mami coca. I'm not sure why, but it's called mami coca. So, I might get mami coca. Everybody has a side hustle. I'm sure there's a story we should try check that out. Yeah. yeah, mami coca. But, um, yeah, so it's just the kind of system that you're in that it allows people to have two or three jobs. But, again, the system is also harsh, which also creates people to be more entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So That's true. it's just one of those things. Yeah. So, and as much as it's great to aspire to be a doctor and a lawyer, we need these people in society. But, as you said, our market for that kind of profession is already overly saturated. And we have too many unemployed graduates that are just sitting at home, very bright, I'm sure, but they have no skills. So how do you hire someone that is... Has no skills. But then the people who are saying, oh, yeah, we want fresh graduates, then they have, like, unrealistic requirements. Oh, yeah, 15 years experience. What, which graduate has that? Or and how even is that five fresh, years? How do, that is, does not even make sense. I'm just like, what? How are you a fresh graduate if you have 15 years Ex- experience? I'm just like, some of these requirements, I just look at them, it's, it's ridiculous. I saw something on Twitter recently, and it was, um, like... Okay, this isn't related to school. It was mm-hmm. advertising. But they had the deadline for a job advertisement the same date. The, I, see, yes, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. the same date the newspaper was published. So, boy, we, we know what that means. They had already found who yeah, they wanted. But don't, these, don't be so blatant about, about it. About it, yeah. yeah. At least do it like a, a week in advance or something. But no, most of these people that, these institutions that do um, put out a job advert. It's already internal, but because they want to look like, oh, we're being transparent and whatnot, they just put it out. But they've already hired someone internally. That's crazy. So the job market out here, no, I feel for people, you know, who actually want to be a part of that system because they've been wired to think that, oh, no, if I work for an institution that's well-known, that's prestige because people that work for themselves, such as you and I, it's like, oh, so you work for yourself. 
Okay, I hear the condescension in yeah. your voice. I'm just like, <laughs> so okay. So what do you do? So what do you? Oh, God. Oh, God. So what do you do? I'm like, mm, okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back to education, Yaz. Um, we should definitely talk about that talk we went to recently. It was at the British Council. I won't mention who it was for. oh yes, yes yes okay so there was an institute a reputable institution as oh, we like that to say was so here frustrating a reputable institution um held a lecture series uh, about um gender and sexuality about teenage pregnancy so back to the sex thing so Sierra Leone, it's no secret that we have a high teenage pregnancy rate yes and it skyrocketed during ebola 2004-2015 about 14,000 plus Listen to this again. About 14,000 plus girls fell pregnant during Ebola. So yeah, obviously it was nine months. People ain't got nothing to do. What do you think they were doing? There's no extracurriculars or recreational activities to do in this country. So anyways, 14,000 babies came into this world. Um, well, maybe, well, they came into this world. Not to say that they, they all survived, but yeah. So um, do, when uh, the ban was uplifted for people to go back to school, which is like August, no, sorry, April 30th, 2015, there was a ban on visibly pregnant girls. So that stigma was already there. Hey, get belly. Hey, they go to school. Hey, now Kelly's coming out. Like, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, what an irresponsible mom. She's going back to school. I'm like, what? Like, would that not just attest to how powerful, how great girls can be if not given the social stigma, what they can manifest to be. The social stigma is like, It's too oh. much. But I know where it's coming from. It's like, oh, well, what example would this person be? If this person did not school with Sibylle, what example what, that, Well, that's the, And then you don't know that person's story, how they even became, became pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. I mean, it's a failed system at the end of the day. But I mean, mm. there are other factors that lead into it. But my point is, they always stigmatize the girl. As if the girl just woke up with pregnancy. How did she get pregnant? You and know? that was part of the issue at that event. Everybody who was there, like the majority of people were females. And it's one thing trying to address your audience, but it shouldn't just be them as your target audience only. Like yeah, you said, you have it to takes two to, yeah. to tango. Right. It's not a one person thing. And if anything, it's just as important, if not more, for more men to be in those settings and in those environments. But you know, when you have those kind of open invitations, you can't control who comes. True. But I understand maybe like an invitation to invite boys' schools to um, join the conversation. Exactly. The way people that would approach um, girls' school, they should have the same energy for the boys' school. That's true. And I, I think what I took from that whole talk, which I found so alarming, you remember oh, that, that woman. teacher? Can you imagine yeah. she was a teacher? Guys, oh, my so blood one, was one, boiling. One teacher, she got up at the end of the whole thing. So she just confirmed that nothing actually went through into her head, really. So she got up and she was just like, so girls, I'm here for you. I understand. No, say it in Korean and I'll interpret yeah, so you can get the message. She okay. Like, she was like, me self not teacher, but I get for telling that girls them. And I left for watching a man teacher them. <laughs> I could not believe that she said that. I was literally, my mouth just dropped. I said, eh? So in English, she said? Oh, yes. <laughs> so I basically said, um, she was a teacher, and she said, oh, I'm here for my students. However, the girls, you need to stop looking at your um, male teachers. Seducing your teacher. Yeah. Can, how can, Seducing. How can someone under the age of 18 seduce an adult? How? I have no idea. Hey, goodness. So it just goes back to the drawing board. We need massive sensitization. We need to talk and engage community yeah. members. But the, the meat of the um, whole thing, the oh, whole no, conference. Oh, that just threw me off, it, yes. It was just about how to say no or if a teacher um, appro- um, touches you inappropriately, what you should do as a mm-hmm. female. 
Um, so yeah, literally none of that went into her head. Nope. And she came out with that. I said, wow. Yeah. So then, of course, they they wanted people to respond. So you know me, y'all. I was yeah. like, yeah, Yas was ready. Give me that mic. So Yas I was collected like, her together. A whole teacher. Me. <laughs> I, I've been afraid for you, small. Because I was like, I was like, oh like I'm, I'm a teacher gonna... too. So yeah. yeah. So I just told her how it was. I'm just like, the point of this is to safeguard our girls. These are men above the age of 18. I'm not talking about relationships wherein, of course, there are times where the boy is 18, the girl is 17. Yes, legally, it's statutory rape, but. If this person is your brother and you know of this relationship and let's say things go sour and it ends up in court, you know in your hearts of hearts you would not want that guy to be charged the same as a 35-year-old man raping a six-month-old baby. It's not the same thing. So what was going around there about, you know, statutory rape and in the sense when a big, big man rapes a, someone below the age of 18, it was not... A student at that. A student, student. at that, yeah. right. A student at that. The, that, was the, um, that was what the conversation the was about, right. And we talked about uh, how our teenage pregnancy ban has gone to ECOWAS court. Like, this is huge, because, like, obviously, it's a very discriminatory law that we're trying to overturn. And, you know, all of that. Nothing. That woman did not take vim from that conversation. But I don't understand how she doesn't get the power dynamic. How does a student have any, like, authority under a teacher? So would you not acknowledge that it's the teacher who is doing wrong? No, because in her mind... That's common sense. No, in her mind, oh, when these girls... Let me say this in Korea, because it has more oomph. She's like, oh, yeah, let me begin it. As they pull Bobby so, now for pull and I do. Now for shake their waist, now for shake her inside my face. I'm just like... So her logic is that because when girls undergo puberty, you know, they have breasts that don't know how to act, you know, they're shaking it everywhere, shaking butt everywhere. I'm just like, but it's their butt and breasts to shake. No, no, no. Even if that's the case, it's their butt and breasts to shake. Who are you as a big man to go and um, touch someone's child? You're a student at that. So again, it's just that there's no regard for the power dynamics. Like, look, you need this grade. So how do you want to get it? That's it. This is a crime to be a, a girl here, honestly. I've really deep to being Their here. only crime is being born female. Mm. That is it. From there, they're sexualized from day one. Yeah. And this, like, how... And it? school is supposed to be a safe place. You, you would know, think, right? You should be safe in those places, no. but it, it doesn't sound like it at all. It's not. So, which is why there are safe spaces in these kind of schools and... There are organizations that work with government-assisted schools to help with this. But, I mean, I want to say that we're better off than today, but the, the rape sure? cases... No, that's what I'm saying. No, <laughs> I would like to. But the rape cases that we see every single day, and even though our national emergency of rape had been uplifted, so if you're, if you're aware, back in February or so, the president declared a national um, emergency because of the rape cases that were coming up every single day. It's been removed now because they are amending our Sexual Offenses Act, but they're still in Parliament doing their thing, as parliamentarians do. But we're still hopeful. You know, we want to end on a good note, on a high-end note. Um, they're still in Parliament, and lobbyists and civil society organizations are still pushing to have the amendment have the amendment done properly but in general about education we're waiting for the wasp results um oh i didn't i don't think i explained the wasp results so the wasp results wasc is um west african secondary school certificate examination so that's what high school students take to go to university and um yeah so they took their exams back in june so we're waiting for the results in november 
November? Yeah, it takes a very long time. What? Um, well, that messes up everything because the start <laughs> date, if you're going somewhere overseas, if you're going to study oh, overseas, yeah. don't you're going to have to wait a whole other and year. a whole year. Oh, don't get me started Oh, about that's that. ridiculous. That's another episode. <laughs> Hold up. So you take your exams in June, you have to wait how many months? Yeah, about five. five. No, that's ridiculous. It's the same thing for the Beke exam. Um, they take their exams also in June. So Wask and Beke, almost about the same time. So they take the middle school exam in June. They don't get the results to December. Why does it take so long? I think they're understaffed. There are so many students that take it as well. Yeah, mm. So during that six-month period, there's actually, I don't know if you're aware of this here, there's actually a, a slogan in course. They say, after Beke Nabele. So after hey, you take your God. Beke results, you fall pregnant. Which is the case for a lot of these girls because there's nothing to do. It's another That's six so months. It's like Ebola all over again. Six months you're just at home. There oh, are no they recreational need, activities. To, um... Little to no recreational activities. So that's and oh and um, you wanted to mention something about the camps, the educational yes, camps. Yes, I did. I, I've only heard this recently <laughs> because um, somebody has recently opened a performing arts school mm-hmm. it's called empire arts um, institute which i think is such a great idea so they specialize in um performing arts subjects dancing singing acting but you still would do your english and maths so they offer the mvq and diploma of that okay um so it was in discussion with the owner of the space she was saying how a lot of people they go to these was camps or these becca camps and they they don't even pass all their subjects maybe they're not one in pass if any and then a lot of them they some of them might even come out of the camps camps as in you you go there to do like intensive training well so they say so they claim so they claim and then they will come back pregnant it's Ah, uh, I don't know. And then not all, of course. Not, not all. Yeah, but Some these camps. The and reason- then they'll be charging you like an arm and a leg to go to mm, these camps. Yeah. So I, I I don't understand the the premise of it either. They claim that okay, after school you go and do more studying. So it's just this idea of education that you're only successful, like you're you, you're only deemed to be smart if you're always seen studying. I'm like, but you're a human being. You need to rest. And relax like other human beings do. But yeah, so after school, they go straight to these camps. And it's like, a, it's a sleepaway camp. Mm-hmm. So they have to stay there for a couple of weeks. And I'm just like, but for why? Why can't you study at your house? No. So they're like, they say they do round-the-clock studying. They have their schedule. They wear everything. And, I'm just like, <laughs> and some of these kids, they get sexually abused at these camps. Like, yeah, so some of them even fall pregnant. So I'm just like, what's happened? These camps, honestly, I'm so against them. So when some of my girls at Girl Up say, oh, yeah, I'm going for camp. No. Nope. You're I, not, not, no, under you're not, not under my watch. Not under my watch. I call them like, nope, they're not going to this camp. I talk to the parents, and then they understand why they should. You know, as I, they have the daytime camp. So some some of my girls said they are in it. They they go to the camp from two to six p.m. I said I'm I'm gonna call your mom if you're not home by eight p.m. So yeah, so none of them do that sleepaway camp because I do not allow it. Wow. Why can't you study at home? Exactly. You, but my I don't. How do their parents even allow them? Because a lot of them are coming from uneducated uh, homes. So they, oh, now this is going to make me picking pass? Okay. Oh, this is going to make my child uh, pass? All right. Of course they will. Which parent doesn't want the best for their for child? For their child, yeah. So a lot of them is out of ignorance. And I don't want to use ignorance as an excuse, but it's the truth. That's how they get these parents to pay money that they don't have. Wow. So. That's crazy. Like, we love Sierra Leone, as you know, but we have to keep it real at the same time. As usual. As well, usual. We're only here to do that. Yeah. But, but so uh, that we ha- we end on a high note, what is one thing you remember from school day or something you loved about your school days? Um, 
Oh. I don't know. I don't really have bad memories. I feel like the whole... Yeah, good thing. Yeah, a good thing you remember. I don't have like a one one situation okay i just enjoyed school full Mm -hmm. stop i have a favorite subject guess what that is (laughs) (laughs) art i thought you were gonna try and guess (laughs) but she didn't um yeah so i I had a favorite subject but other Mm -hmm. than that i just i liked school the whole i never had a bad time really no same i really like school my favorite subjects were math and french so i loved school when did you start french I started learning French in class four. So when I moved to Sierra Leone, actually, let me tell you an interesting story. I'm not sure if oh, I talked gosh, about it in the last episode. Don't worry, I'll time her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love stories. Okay, so my first interaction with French was like when I was in South Africa and I was watching Barney and, I, and all the kids from around the world were saying the alphabet in their language. I was like, oh, I like how the French one sounds, but we never learned that. We learned like South African languages. Now I learned Afrikaans and all these languages at school. So anyway, so when I moved to Sierra Leone after the war, then we were learning French, but they were already way ahead of me because I've never had any experience. I only knew the alphabet in French. So I was failing French like abysmally. So I went to the States and the little French that I learned, I was kicking ass in the States. I was like, okay, sure. So yeah, my first real experience, I would say when I went back from middle school, because the first two years I was here in Sierra Leone after the war, I didn't really learn it. It was only when I went to the state, I was like, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that. But yeah, because like you're trained to cram and then just regurgitate the same thing in the exam. So of course I was feeling woefully. I didn't understand the concept of the language. But when I was taught, oh, the language is genderized, things have a, you know, things are boys, things are girls. Yeah, it sounds very weird. But yeah, so some things in French are feminine, some things are masculine. So when I understood that in the States, oh, when I came here, I was just beating them. What? I got an A in OA levels. Oh, like, okay, levels. this is my subject. This is my subject. Yeah, so so. I just remembered we didn't discuss something we had spoken about previously. Mm. And that was um, sitting exams, like international exams. Oh, yeah. So I never, obviously, I've, I've never even, even had to think about that because I went to school in the UK. So all your subjects or all your exams would be taken in school obviously but then when you when you explained it to me how you'd have to go and sit your exam at an exam center i was just like oh my gosh oh, that's no. that pressure and that anxiety that would just take over me Ooh, yeah completely that's why I, uh, for the record i bombed all my o levels though it was only french i got the a in <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so like in salon the educational system for the most part it's british you know being a colonized nation so um of the UK. So um, at private schools, you take something that's called the London GC. During my time, now obviously it's changing. They call it IGCSE. I don't know. I don't know what the kids take now. But when I was in school, we, we were the last students to take the GCO level, which was 2009. So I was telling you, I was like, because it's not our curriculum, it's, ex- it's deemed as external. So we have to pay at the bank in pounds to pay for this exam. It was very, very pricey. Literally, I was mind blown when she was telling me all this. I said, E, so you don't even do this exam inside your school? And she was like, no, I had to go to this exam center. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wayek, yeah. So Wayek is the West African exam center. Wow. Yes, in town. So that's where you take your external exams. But because Lebanese school is listed as a center, so we took you. I think we only took math and English. Yes. Yeah. So math and English for anyone that's taken the O levels is always taken at Lebanese International School. So we took it in our school, but obviously it wasn't our teachers that invigilated us. We had different teachers and we were mixed up. But yeah, so different schools that also took, like Limount, International School, whatever school that took the private O-levels, or just O-levels, yeah, they would, um, they would come to our school. But everything else was set at Wayek. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't know how I would like go about that. Uh, so interesting. Yeah, and I, I, even um, government school exams, like Becky and Was, it's also. I think some of all of the schools. Sorry, all of the schools are test centers. But um, sometimes the students sit at different schools. But if they sit in their school, it obviously it's not their teacher. It's different people from different schools that invigilate them. I see. Mm-hmm. So the invigilators, you wouldn't know them? No, no, we didn't know our invigilators. Yeah. So if you sit here at your school, obviously you're not allowed to know the invigilator. So it's someone from a different school that they bring. Mm. Mm. And then in the test center, it would just be people from all over. Like it wouldn't necessarily um, be your classmates, right? No, so because we all sat together, but they would know you by school. So, oh, no, no. So the way, yes, when we sat our O-levels, we're in alphabetical order of those who are sitting the examination that year. I see. Yeah, so we sat, yeah, so I didn't sit to it next to any of my classmates. No, different people. I mean, I would see them in the test center, but no, I wasn't sitting next to anyone. But if they noticed that you're from the same school, they would switch you. Oh, because of the uniform. Because of the uniform, yeah. exactly. So that's how they knew. But um, the people who invigilated us, um, I don't know. I think they're administrators of Wayek because you do have Wayek administrators who oversee the exams. So I don't know if they were teachers, but maybe they're educational administrators. We had teachers invigilate, and I think there's like a board of invigilators as well. Um, so it'd be like a mixture of like faces you don't know and then okay. faces you do you know. You do know. So. Interesting. Yeah. No, only when I took the, well, when I went back to the States, you know, in the American system, so when I took the SATs, you can choose, that's a choice, you can choose to make your school a test center in the sense that you can choose to sit at your school. So I mean, I was like, okay, my, it's just easier for me logistically, it's near the house. So I just sat my SATs at the school. I didn't know the teacher because like, the school has like dozens of teachers, but I knew the classroom because I took a class before, but I didn't know the teacher who did the, um, who, well, in the American English, proctored the exam. So um, yeah, but you can sit at your school and the same thing, you just take it on a Saturday morning, you're timed, but the SATs are stressful. Yeah, external exams are just so stressful, so, in- so anxiety ridden, I don't like them. Well, thank God those days are over. Mm. <laughs> behind us so yeah so yeah as you so we're gonna end with the african proverb and the winner of our giveaway which will explain more yeah so the african proverb for this episode is a fly that has no one to advise it follows the corpse into the grave and that is a gambian proverb clap for us we actually got a country (laughs) no more african proverbs Mm. we surf bintaya we said no we have to actually find a country so um, I guess this means someone who is not advised properly, they could end up in a bad situation, whether mm. that is death or just a short life. That's yeah. how I interpret it. How mm-hmm. did you see that, Yaz? No, I think um, very similar as well. I guess uh, it can also talk about um, people who don't think for themselves. And if they just kind of like follow the crowd, then yeah. they can just lead up in any situation. So yeah, if you don't have someone or some kind of support system, advisory system, then yeah, you could fall into I a feel like that's sticky a lot situation. Of Sierra Leoneans, no shade. Mm, that's true. Yeah, I mean anyone, but yeah, yeah, I, I get you. You know, bad paddy, this and that. You know, bad friends. I mean, anyone can be Not peer even pressure. That, just guidance in general. In general, a lot of people don't have it, which is sad. But. Yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. Mm. And our giveaway, so I'm not sure if you saw on our socials, we didn't actually announce it on the podcast, but two weeks ago on our socials, we did a, what am I saying? (laughs) I want to say a collaboration, but it's a giveaway. We did a giveaway in partnership with Mamalu's Kitchen, and we were giving away a hamper with all their goodies. So Mamalu's Kitchen, they do 
African snacks, um, granite, benike, kongu, you name it, they do everything. Mm -hmm. So we just had a little giveaway and the winner is, drum roll. <laughs> Chris Callon. Yay. Yes. So get in contact with us, Chris Callon, and you can receive your goodies. Yay. So that is it for this uh, week's episode. This is the second to last episode, y'all. So that means... The next episode is the last, last of the season. Of the season. Of the season. You yeah. know, we'll be back as usual. As usual, stay tuned to our updates on the socials at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Y Square Pod. All right. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Hello, I'm Yasmin Mesh Johnson. And I'm Yasmin Bilkis Brian. We are Y Square Pod. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. For those who celebrated Eid yesterday, we hope you enjoyed the holiday and, you know, bring some food, some beef our way. Well, your good. way. You know, I'm pescatarian, girl. Oh, that's mm. true. How's that going, Yaz? You know, I started this pescatarian journey, like, last month. And the first week, it was hard, I'm not gonna lie. But I read somewhere that after 21 days, something becomes a habit. And it's so true. Like, I don't even crave beef and chicken. I'm not saying I might not tear up a rib or a wing once in a while. But for now, the past six weeks... I've been good. Oh, that's good. I've mm. done that for like a week, pescatarian. <laughs> and I was like, okay, give me my chicken, give me my meat. I'm good, I'm good. All right, cool. So we're going to dive into the interesting facts, and then we'll let you know what this episode is about. So today's interesting facts, hmm, let me say this with my chest, my breast. Yes, it's too happy for this. Woohoo! Do y'all know that Salon Jolof won the competition this year in Washington, D.C.? Whoop, whoop. Yeah, so all my Nigerian haters out there, Nigerians, Ghanaians, Liberian, okay, I don't know if that's a country, Liberia, <gasps> so, Gambia, yes. all of you Anglophone countries out there, because I'm not talking about like, you know, OG Senegal, you know, that is, they are the originators, as I've said last season. I'm talking about the Anglophones that like to talk mess. We won, and World Jollof Day is August 22. Catch my stories at Mina Bilkis, throwing shade as usual. But yeah, Salon Jollof, lives matter. Do you want to say it louder for the people at the back? Like, Salon Jolof, <laughs> lives matter! <laughs> okay, as you guys know, Yasmin is very passionate about that. Mm -hmm. But no, that is good to know, you know, that we finally won. Apparently, so, before that, we came second, and then the year before... No, because, like, there's so many Nigerians, they're always making noise, woo! That's why. But the truth prevails, always. Justice <laughs> was served. 2019 the is our year. will always come out. Yes! <laughs> So this week's episode is sex, sex and, and education. education. Hmm. So, yeah. so hmm. what should we talk about first? Well, you know, we should educate everyone, no? Or what do you think? Well, you being the teacher, that's, <laughs> that's your stance and everything. But um, no, for a while, we've wanted to discuss education, both of our education background, um, what the education is like in Sierra Leone, and then what kind of brought up the sex element was I saw a tweet recently, I was triggered by that, and the person was basically just saying, okay, so after sex, what else? Like, they put sex on a pedestal, basically. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people agreed with the tweet. There was, like, multiple retweets and likes. So I was just like, hmm. Then it got me thinking, well, it's probably just how people... Like, how are they taught about sex? That's and true. I guess the two links. So, yeah, sex and education. So how are you taught about sex, yes? Uh In school... So I was in the States then, in middle school. And um, in sixth grade the first level of junior secondary school, I guess. So we're taught about um, it in our health class. And it was like the bull crap way, like, okay, well, there's a man and there's a woman and 
you know, after nine months, a baby can happen. I said, but I'm not understanding. How is the <laughs> child coming about, you know? So we learned basically about, like, how to... We learned about abstinence, more so, yes, in sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, we're taught um, about puberty. So I'm just like, how are you going to teach us about abstinence before puberty? So that did not make sense. And um, so I brought this to my mom's attention. So she didn't really give me the talk much either. She just gave me a book about puberty and, you know, sex. And that's how I pretty much learned to. And then through high school, it got a bit more in-depth and advanced, but... Yeah, it's when I became uh, an adult, really, and I went to university, I started to read more about it and about sexual reproductive health rights. But that was my first introduction. I learned abstinence before puberty. Ridiculous. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, similar to me. Well, not similar. I did not learn about abstinence first. So at school, I think it was the same year, year six, we had like a video, like they sent letters home, like, okay, we're going to be teaching about puberty to the children. Mm -hmm. So this was year six or year five. I don't know what that is in... It's the same, right? Yeah, yeah, class five. But what would that be in Salon? Yeah, class five, class six, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they just had like this video. It was a cartoon and it was funny. (laughs) It was just like, I think it was two people, a boy and a girl, they were going out to like a youth club or Mm -hmm. to a club or something. And then it would just highlight... um, like the sweat patches okay and be like oh this is smelling or you should use it. it was it was very like over dramatic actually and then there was talking about how you would grow hair in these places that's why it would, might smell so you need to use this um other than that it was very basic mm. um but the actual learn about sex like other than biology at school i think that was it i don't Same. actually have like a actually we did we did have people come in. Yes, we would, did as well. Yeah, yeah. They would talk about like safe sex, but I wouldn't say they would it was a thing of teaching us about sex, like the meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, when people would come into schools it, it was just the basics like um the age restrictions. Okay, so um, the legal aspect. Yeah, uh, yeah. And when to know when someone's being forceful what the different terms are, what is um, rape, etc. Right. Terminology is more than actually what sex is. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like the way that they taught us, because it's based on the school curriculum, so there's only so much that school or that county or wherever you are will allow you to do, especially in Sierra Leone. So it's like... They more so intellectualize sex as opposed... I'm not saying give us the practical exam. You know, you can't do that. Mm. But, like, tell us... (laughs) (laughs) Just deep what you said. (laughs) But tell us in a straight manner because I felt like because of the lack of directness, we were more confused than anything. So that mm. will lead students to go and Google it themselves. Or just be or curious co- Yeah, be cur- oh, curious themselves, yeah. yeah. Or come across porn or, you know, whatever it is. So, ah, but speaking of which, when was the first time you saw porn? Not by choice, I'm trying to expose you. Maybe you were passing by and someone um, was on their phone, honestly, stuff like that. in the UK, I could just say going into any, like, shop... Like it's a lie. I swear, like, they would have the... I think now they've changed the, restri- the restrictions. Like, the um, old adult magazines are, like, higher up, so they're not in, like, children's uh, eye the, view. Okay. But back in the day, like, in the 90s, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd probably say, like, in a shop, like, on a magazine. Just yeah. casually like that? Yeah. Huh, no, you know in the States... Well, even they have this thing... Sorry. Mm-hmm. They have this thing <laughs> called um, Page 3. 
in the newspapers so that's you'd have like a model girl topless half of the time or most of the time a topless oh. woman and yeah it's very it was very just like open oh my goodness yeah i think it still happens page actually no that's still a lie i think they've banned it i think some newspapers still do it these are like actual newspapers no really I think the one thing that shocks me about British culture... I mean, growing up, I went to the UK, but I have little to no memories. So my first actual memory of going to the UK was when I was 14. And um, something that shocked me, one, there's no commercials typically during a show. In the, in the States, every five minutes yeah, is a commercial. I com- commercials. I yeah, know, no. right? Your commercials are like 15 minutes. I know, no, they're uh, ridiculously long. But I mean, that's what pays for them, right? Yeah. And then at 10 p.m., I know, because usually like in the States, 10 p.m., like you watch all like, you know... The shows you're not supposed to watch, like Family Guy, those kind of things. So I, that's what I was expecting to watch. But then I see, say, Blue Sky on. And I was like, eh? That's what, like, there was porn going on. I was like, what? What kind of country is this? I was like, okay, let me just flip the channel. And then my cousin was like, yeah, after 10 p.m., like, everything is unrestricted. I was like, what? Yeah. This is not like a... In, in the States, you have, like, a, a different package that you have to purchase. So I didn't know that after 10 p.m., it's just free flow no more. I was it's like, the same in the UK. Although <laughs> I think the time is different. It's probably, like, at 2 a.m., like, I remember even um, Living TV. I don't know if that's still a station, but they it was the same with them. Like, after midnight, it'd be that all adult content, yeah. No, you have to pay for it. I mean, I don't know about now, but, like, back when I was growing up, yeah, you'd have to pay for that kind of content. Very, very interesting. But, no, yeah, so in Salon, in Creole, pornography is blues. So, yeah, I don't know why it's oh, called blues. I yes, that. That's the word. Okay. It's blues. Yeah, so... Um, it. In as much as they say Sierra Leone or Africa were not a sexualized country, um, continent or whatever. Are you sure? Who told you that? I, wait, no, that's why I'm saying this in quotes. Oh, yeah, it's not like you all can see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like um, it definitely is. And they, they say that, oh, no, it's, it's the West that is um, um, infiltrating our young mind lies. Let me tell you, in school... Bana bana in classroom, people having their phone. Hey, last time for you that new blues. I'm like, eh. Listen, mm-hmm. yeah, this was like when I was in ninth grade, form three, openly. So that's what? where that was the first time I saw it. Yeah, in class, it's like they were tricky. The boys are stupid. They're like, oh yeah, let me show you this new skit. Me with my dumb self, I go. On. I'm like, oh. But are they are they people that are here in the salon, or is it just things that are like international? No, okay, blues? yes, I went to an international school, but no, no, this is all kids. No, 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 not the kids. I'm saying oh. the, the blues, the news. Oh, the blue. Oh, you know. No, it's man bluesy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's always like white people pornography. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, so I'm just like, uh-uh. who even has time for that? Yeah, so it was just, it was just everywhere, everywhere. And that was before WhatsApp and stuff like that. So obviously, people did this via Bluetooth or they downloaded it with LimeWire. I'm just like, can Ugh. you imagine going to school now with all the social media? Ah, me, I'm not be able to. That's I don't what I'm think I concentrate. It's like there's just too much temptation. Like every two seconds, if it's not Snapchat notification, this or that. But if these schools were smart, a lot of them would block them. Like well, access, yeah, but, but you, you know the internet don't... in school as well, right? But you know, not all of the schools are Wi-Fi connected. You're thinking like that. Uh, any schools Wi-Fi connected in Salon? Uh, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> yes, my school had Wi-Fi. Don't even, don't even uh, come uh, to my school I like that. Yeah, you went to different school. I'm saying the uh, general, like a government-assisted schools. Yeah. No, they do not have. To my knowledge, not. I mean, maybe the annual Walsh does. It's possible. Anything is possible at the annual. Ooh, Ooh. so saying social students. Or past students, I know y'all are salty. It's possible. I was going to say, my mum will listen to this. And it's like, yes, annuals, yes. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, but for the most part, no. Government-assisted schools do not have Wi-Fi. Yeah, but that's something that might change. Hey, free education, you never know.
I feel like we should have invited a teacher who's at a government-assisted school just so they could tell us what they do have and what they don't have because I don't want to be rude and shade them like, okay, what do you guys have? But <laughs> I went to, I've been to, I've visited two schools, government-assisted schools here mm-hmm. so far. and Such as? No, I'm not mentioning them. No. <laughs> wow. I know. Me well, ask. you know, I work with the, the Vine uh, girls for Girl Up. So at their school, they don't. So like I said, not trying to, you know, blanket all the schools in Sierra Leone. But for the most part, no, government assistance schools But even don't. subjects, a lot of some subjects they don't even have. Well, that's because the Ministry of Education, I think that's changing now with the comprehensive um, sexual manual, um, sexuality manual that they're trying to um, create. But no, you're not allowed, in quotes, to teach um, sexual reproductive health rights. Mm. Yeah. So they, they used to have like the, fam- the family planning um, manual. That, that thing was crap. Like It had typical gender roles, and that's how they taught to Oh, the mama is here. She cooks. Papa goes yeah, to work. Yeah, the home economics room. Yeah, so, yeah. so I the was curriculum really was called family planning. That. Yeah, I, we never had that in the UK. The most we would have in terms of like design and technology, like would have the food technology room and then the design workshop, carpentry space, but the home economics. I was like, oh, okay. This yeah. is new yeah, well, to me. That's true. We have home economics. Um, that's taught mostly in elementary school, primary school. And I think in government-assisted schools, it's taught in middle school, yeah, so in junior secondary school. So in Sierra Leone, let's talk about in the Sierra Leone context, the educational system is uh, it's six three, and now three, meaning that the primary school is um, six years, uh, middle school is three years, and senior secondary school, high school is three years. It used to be four years, but the New Direction government, they've removed the last year, so a lot of senior secondary school students are happy. Uh, It used to be three years, but then the former government added one year. They felt that they needed an extra year to prepare for their external exams. The results still were abysmal, and then this new government promised that they would eradicate the, the fourth year of the senior secondary school program. So they did. So now it's back to 633. So it's 12 years again. And um, in Sierra Leone, the middle school exam is called BECAM, Basic Education Certificate Exam. So you take eight subjects and then you enter your streams. We've talked about streams before. So when you go to high school, you either go to the art stream, the science stream, or the commercial stream, where you take those subjects I told you I was in the science. But yeah, if you schooled here, what stream would you go to? I was just about to, to say, we never clarified. So me, I did all my schooling in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you've been in between Salon and... America. America. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she was actually explaining the streams to me recently. And I was like, that is so interesting because we don't have that same concept in the UK. Like, mm. if I did an art subject, I could still do, um, I don't know, a science subject. Mm-hmm. I could still do... A math subject. So the concept of streams, I was just like, oh, okay. So what were the different streams? Um, you have the art. Yeah, so science. the art stream, you take like the liberal humanitarian subjects, you know, uh, humanities subjects, history, literature, that kind of thing. If you're in science like me, you took hardcore science. So biology, chemistry, physics, those were your core. Uh, further math, uh, calculus or pure math, depending on what institution you went to. Regular math. And yeah, those are the five core. And if you went to the business stream, you take like accounting, economics, um, business studies, those kind of subjects. That's so limiting though. Very, yeah. So you were not allowed to like crisscross. No. Like, that's really cool, like putting you in a box. Mm-hmm. Like, you can only do this. You can only, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not being for like that at all. Uh, no, it was very rigid. Very, very rigid. Um, 
The only uh, allowance that we had are elective. So you could either choose um, geography or French. Obviously, I chose French. But um, it, that's not to say whatever stream you enter, that's what you end up being in. But that's how you're groomed in Sierra Leone, that you can only be a doctor, a lawyer, Speaking an engineer. Of, I always say this to my mom, like, for career day in Sierra Leone, did they only show engineer, lawyer, doctor? Because it no, just that's a like very that's... Western concept. We don't have career day. I know. Yeah. But I'm just saying, in general, the amount of people that become doctors, lawyers engineers in Sierra Leone it feels like it's very saturated those um, areas of work in comparison to I don't know a farmer a electrician right a you know well I think this is also another reason why we have such a high um, graduate unemployment rate because Mm, a lot of them flock towards studying yeah Yeah. how many of these firms are hiring people for goodness sake how many people are even going are even called to the bar so no, I mean, nowadays, yes, you see more forward-thinking, innovative educational tools that they use. So, I mean, I've gone to institutions that they have career days. But in my day, no, that kind of thing, they didn't do. Wow. We didn't have career days, so no. So, you didn't do work experience? Um, I did because, like, I mean, my, just because of the kind of household I'm from. Mm-hmm. So, my mom pushed mm-hmm. me into work experience, yeah. But if I grew up any other way, no. The average Cerulean will go to university with zero internship experience and graduate the same way, no skills, just a degree. That's crazy. So that's why they sit at home for years, unemployed. Wow. So, but now this new wave that we have, you know, students go to school and they have a side hustle, mm-hmm. which is great, which also amounts to their business in some cases. So that's great. You see people that are studying sociology, but they have a hair care line. Someone is a law student and they have a t-shirt line. That is fantastic. You have to. You have to. In I this mean, climate. In this economy, <laughs> you really cannot just be thinking, okay, I'm going to school to get my degree to go no to an office. No one has one job. Nobody. But the thing is, why would you even want to? Because we live in a country. To. You can't afford to. That's one. Salon and salon is so flexible in the sense that, like, if you're at your job, not to say that people are not doing their jobs, but you have the leniency to do other things as well. You might be sent out of the office, and during that time, you can do your little. In salon, we call um, side hustle mami coca. I'm not sure why, but it's called mami coca. So, I might get mami coca. Everybody has a side hustle. I'm sure there's a story we should try check that out. Yeah. yeah, mami coca. But, um, yeah, so it's just the kind of system that you're in that it allows people to have two or three jobs. But, again, the system is also harsh, which also creates people to be more entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So That's true. it's just one of those things. Yeah. So, and as much as it's great to aspire to be a doctor and a lawyer, we need these people in society. But, as you said, our market for that kind of profession is already overly saturated. And we have too many unemployed graduates that are just sitting at home, very bright, I'm sure, but they have no skills. So how do you hire someone that is... Has no skills. But then the people who are saying, oh, yeah, we want fresh graduates, then they have, like, unrealistic requirements. Oh, yeah, 15 years experience. What, which graduate has that? And or how even is that five fresh, years? How do, that is, does not even make sense. I'm just like, what? How are you a fresh graduate if you have 15 years Ex- experience? I'm just like, some so. of these requirements, I just look at them, it's, it's ridiculous. I saw something on Twitter recently, and it was, um, like... Okay, this isn't related to school. It was mm-hmm. advertising. But they had the deadline for a job advertisement the same date. The, I see, yes, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. the same date the newspaper was published. So, boy, we, we know what that means. They had already found who yeah, they wanted. But don't, these, don't be so blatant about, about it. About it, yeah. yeah. At least do it like a, a week in advance or something. But no, most of these people that, these institutions that do 
um, put out a job advert, it's already internal, but because they want to look like, oh, we're being transparent and whatnot, they just put it out. But they've already hired someone internally. That's crazy. So the job market out here, no, I feel for people, you know, who actually want to be a part of that system because they've been wired to think that, oh, no, if I work for an institution that's well-known, that's prestige. Because people that work for themselves, such as you and I, it's like, oh, so you work for yourself. Okay, I hear the condescension in yes. their voice. I'm just like, <laughs> so okay. So what do you do? So what do you? Oh, God. Oh, that, God. So what do you do? I'm like, mm, okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back to education, Yaz. Um, we should definitely talk about that talk we went to recently. It was at the British Council. I won't mention who it was for. oh yes, yes yes okay so there was an institute a reputable institution as oh, we like that to say was so here frustrating a reputable institution um held a lecture series uh, about um gender and sexuality about teenage pregnancy so back to the sex thing so Sierra Leone, it's no secret that we have a high teenage pregnancy rate yes and it skyrocketed during ebola 2004-2015 about 14,000 plus Listen to this again. About 14,000 plus girls fell pregnant during Ebola. So yeah, obviously it was nine months. People ain't got nothing to do. What do you think they were doing? There's no extracurriculars or recreational activities to do in this country. So anyways, 14,000 babies came into this world. Um, well, maybe, well, they came into this world. Not to say that they, they all survived, but yeah. So um, do, when uh, the ban was uplifted for people to go back to school, which is like August, no, sorry, April 30th, 2015, there was a ban on visibly pregnant girls. So that stigma was already there. Hey, get belly. Hey, they go to school. Hey, now Kelly's coming out. Like, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, what an irresponsible mom. She's going back to school. I'm like, what? Like, would that not just attest to how powerful, how great girls can be if not given the social stigma, what they can manifest to be. The social stigma is like, It's too oh. much. But I know where it's coming from. It's like, oh, well, what example would this person be if this person did not school with Sibylle? What example what, that, Well, that's the, And then you don't know that person's story, how they even became, became pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. I mean, it's a failed system at the end of the day. But I mean, mm. there are other factors that lead into it. But my point is, they always stigmatize the girl. As if the girl just woke up with pregnancy. How did she get pregnant? You and know? that was part of the issue at that event. Everybody who was there, like the majority of people were females. And it's one thing trying to address your audience, but it shouldn't just be them as your target audience only. Like yeah, you said, you have it to takes two to, yeah. to tango. Right. It's not a one-person thing. And if anything, it's just as important, if not more, for more men to be in those settings and in those environments. But you know, when you have those kind of open invitations, you can't control who comes. True. But I understand maybe like an invitation to invite boys' schools to um, join the conversation. Exactly. The way that people would help. approach um, girls' school, they should have the same energy for the boys' school. That's true. And I, I think what I took from that whole talk, which I found so alarming, you remember oh, that, that woman. teacher? Can you imagine yeah. she was a teacher? Guys, oh, my so blood one, was one, boiling. One teacher, she got up at the end of the whole thing. So she just confirmed that nothing actually went through into her head, really. So she got up and she was just like, so girls, I'm here for you. I understand. No, say it in Korean and I'll interpret yeah, so you can get the message. She okay. Like, she was like, myself and a teacher, but I get for telling our girls them. And I left for watching a man teacher them. <laughs> I could not believe that she said that. I was literally, my mouth just dropped. I said, eh? So in English, she said? Oh, yes. <laughs> so I basically said, um, she was a teacher, and she said, oh, I'm here for my students. However, the girls, you need to stop looking at your um, male teachers. Seducing your teacher. Yeah. Can, how can, Seducing. How can someone under the age of 18 seduce an adult? 
How? I have no idea. Hey, goodness. So it just goes back to the drawing board. We need massive sensitization. We need to talk and engage community yeah. members. But the, the meat of the um, whole thing, the oh, whole no, conference. That just threw me off, it, yes. It was just about how to say no or if a teacher um, a pro, um, touches you inappropriately, what you should do as a mm-hmm. female um so yeah literally none of that went into her head nope and she came out with that i said wow yeah so then of course they they wanted people to respond so you know me all i was yeah, like yeah yes was ready give me that mic so yes i was like her together Ooh. a whole teacher me <laughs> I, i've been afraid for you small I'm, i was oh like, I'm, gosh, I was like i'm a teacher gonna... too so yeah. yeah so i just told her how it was i'm just like the point of this is to safeguard our girls these are men above the age of 18 i'm not talking about relationships wherein of course there are times where the boy is 18 the girl is 17 yes legally it's statutory rape but if this person is your brother and you know of this relationship and let's say things go sour and it ends up in court you know in your hearts of hearts you would not want that guy to be charged the same as a 35 year old man raping a six-month-old baby it's not the same thing so what was going around there about you know statutory rape and in the sense when a big, big man rapes a, someone below the age of 18, it was not... A student at that. A student, student. at that, yeah. right. A student at that. The, that, was the, um, that was what the conversation the was about, right. And we talked about uh, how our teenage pregnancy ban has gone to ECOWAS court. Like, this is huge, because, like, obviously, it's a very discriminatory law that we're trying to overturn. And, you know, all of that. Nothing. That woman did not take vim from that conversation. But I don't understand how she doesn't get the power dynamic. How does a student have any, like, authority under a teacher? So would you not acknowledge that it's the teacher who is doing wrong? No, because in her mind... That's common sense. No, in her mind, oh, when these girls... Let me say this in Korea, because it has more oomph. She's like, oh, yeah, let me begin it. As they pull Bobby so, now for pull and I do. Now for shake their waist, now for shake her inside man in face. I'm just like... So her logic is that because when girls undergo puberty, you know, they have breasts that don't know how to act, you know, they're shaking it everywhere, shaking butt everywhere. I'm just like, but it's their butt and breast to shake. No, no, no. Even if that's the case, it's their butt and breast to shake. Who are you as a big man to go and um, touch someone's child? You're a student at that. So again, it's just that there's no regard for the power dynamics. Like, look, you need this grade. So how do you want to get it? That's it. This is a crime to be a, a girl here, honestly. I've really deep to being Their here. only crime is being born female. Mm. That is it. From there, they're sexualized from day one. Yeah. And this, like, how... And is- school is supposed to be a safe place. You, you would know, think, right? You should be safe in those places, no. but it, it doesn't sound like it at all. It's not. So, which is why there are safe spaces in these kind of schools and... There are organizations that work with government-assisted schools to help with this. But, I mean, I want to say that we're better off than today, but the, the rape sure? cases... No, that's what I'm saying. No, <laughs> I would like to. But the rape cases that we see every single day, and even though our national emergency of rape had been uplifted, so if you're, if you're aware, back in February or so, the president declared a national um, emergency because of the rape cases that were coming up every single day. It's been removed now because they are amending our Sexual Offenses Act, but they're still in Parliament doing their thing, as parliamentarians do. But we're still hopeful. You know, want to end on a good note, on a high-end note. Um, they're still in Parliament, and lobbyists and civil society organizations are still pushing to have the amendment have the amendment done properly but in general about education 
We're waiting for the WASP results. Um, oh, I didn't. I don't think I explained the WASP results. So the WASP results, WASP is um, West African Secondary School Certificate Examination. So that's what high school students take to go to university. And um, yeah, so they took their exams back in June. So we're waiting for the results in November. November? Yeah, it takes a very long time. What? Um, Well, that messes up everything because the start (laughs) date, if you're going somewhere overseas, if you're going to study overseas, you're going to have to wait a whole other year. And a whole year. Oh, don't get me started Oh, that's ridiculous. That's another episode. (laughs) Hold up. So you take your exams in June, you have to wait how many months? Yeah, about five. five. No, that's ridiculous. It's the same thing for the Beke exam. Um, They take their exams also in June. So Wask and Beke, almost about the same time. So they take the middle school exam in June. They don't get the results to December. Why does it take so long? I think they're understaffed. There are so many students that take it as well. Mm. So during that six-month period, there's actually, I don't know if you're aware of this here, there's actually a a slogan in course. They say, after Beke Nabele. So after you take your Beke results, you fall pregnant. Which is the case for a lot of these girls because there's nothing to do. It's another That's six so months. It's like Ebola all over again. Six months you're just at home. There oh, are no they recreational need, activities. To, um... Little to no recreational activities. So that's and oh and. Um, you wanted to mention something about the camps, the educational yes, camps. Yes, I did. I, I've only heard this recently <laughs> because um, somebody has recently opened a performing arts school mm-hmm. it's called empire arts um, institute which i think is such a great idea so they specialize in um performing arts subjects dancing singing acting but you still would do your english and maths so they offer the mvq and diploma of that okay um so it was in discussion with the owner of the space she was saying how a lot of people they go to these was camps or these becca camps and they they don't even pass all their subjects maybe they're not one in pass if any and then a lot of them they some of them might even come out of the camps camps as in you you go there to do like intensive training well so they say so they claim so they claim and then they will come back pregnant it's Ah, uh, I don't know. And then not all, of course. Not, not all. Yeah, but Some these camps. The and reason- then they'll be charging you like an arm and a leg to go to mm, these camps. Yeah. So I, I I don't understand the the premise of it either. They claim that okay, after school you go and do more studying. So it's just this idea of education that you're only successful, like you're you, you're only deemed to be smart if you're always seen studying. I'm like, but you're a human being. You need to rest. And relax like other human beings do. But yeah, so after school, they go straight to these camps. And it's like, a, it's a sleepaway camp. Mm-hmm. So they have to stay there for a couple of weeks. And I'm just like, but for why? Why can't you study at your house? No. So they're like, they say they do round-the-clock studying. They have their schedule. They wear everything. And, I'm just like, <laughs> and some of these kids, they get sexually abused at these camps. They're like, yeah, so some of them even fall pregnant. So I'm just like, what's happened? These camps, honestly, I'm so against them. So when some of my girls at Girl Up say, oh, yeah, I'm going for camp. No. Nope. You're I, not, not, no, under you're not, not under my watch. Not under my watch. I call them like, nope, they're not going to this camp. I talk to the parents, and then they understand why they should. You know, as I, they have the daytime camp. So some of, some of my girls said they are in it. They they go to the camp from two to six p.m. I said I'm I'm gonna call your mom if you're not home by eight p.m. So yeah, so none of them do that sleepaway camp because I do not allow it. Wow. Why can't you study at home? Exactly. You, but my I don't. How do their parents even allow them? Because a lot of them are coming from uneducated uh, homes. So they, oh, now this is going to make me picking pass? Okay. Oh, this is going to make my child uh, pass? All right. Of course they will. Which parent doesn't want the best for their for child? For their child, yeah. So a lot of them is out of ignorance. And I don't want to use ignorance as an excuse, but it's the truth. That's how they get these parents to pay money that they don't have. Wow. So. That's crazy. Like, 
we love Sierra Leone, as you know, but we have to keep it real at the same time. As usual. As well, usual. We're only here to do that. Yeah. But, but uh, so that we, ha- we end on a high note, what is one thing you remember from school day or something you loved about your school days? Um, oh, I don't know. I don't really have bad memories. I feel like the whole... Yeah, good thing. Yeah, a good thing you remember. Was, I don't have like a one one okay, situation that, okay that i just shines. enjoyed school full mm-hmm. stop. i have a favorite subject guess what that is <laughs> art i thought you were gonna try and guess <laughs> but she didn't um yeah so i, I had a favorite subject but other mm-hmm. than that i just i liked school the whole i never had a bad time really no same i really like school my favorite subjects are math and french so i loved school Being when did you start french I started learning French in class four. So when I moved to Sierra Leone, actually, let me tell you an interesting story. I'm not sure if oh, I talked gosh, about it in the last episode. Don't worry, I'll time her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love stories. Okay, so my first interaction with French was like when I was in South Africa and I was watching Barney and, I, and all the kids from around the world were saying the alphabet in their language. I was like, oh, I like how the French one sounds, but we never learned that. We learned like South African languages. Now I learned Afrikaans and all these languages at school. So anyway, so when I moved to Sierra Leone after the war, then we were learning French, but they were already way ahead of me because I've never had any experience. I only knew the alphabet in French. So I was failing French like abysmally. So I went to the States and the little French that I learned, I was kicking ass in the States. I was like, okay, sure. So yeah, my first real experience, I would say when I went back from middle school, because the first two years I was here in Sierra Leone after the war, I didn't really learn it. It was only when I went to the state, I was like, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that. But yeah, because like you're trained to cram and then just regurgitate the same thing in the exam. So of course I was feeling woefully. I didn't understand the concept of the language. But when I was taught, oh, the language is genderized, things have a, you know, things are boys, things are girls. Yeah, it sounds very weird. But yeah, so some things in French are feminine, some things are masculine. So when I understood that in the States, oh, when I came here, I was just beating them. What? I got an A in OA levels. Oh, like, okay, levels. this is my subject. This is my subject. Yeah, so so. I just remembered we didn't discuss something we had spoken about previously. Mm. And that was um, sitting exams, like international exams. Oh, yeah. So I never, obviously, I've, I've never even, even had to think about that because I went to school in the UK. So all your subjects or all your exams would be taken in school obviously but then when you when you explained it to me how you'd have to go and sit your exam at an exam center i was just like oh my gosh oh, that's no. that pressure and that anxiety that would just take over me Ooh, yeah completely that's why I, uh, for the record i bombed all my o levels though it was only french i got the a in <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so like in salon the educational system for the most part it's british you know being a colonized nation so um of the UK. So um, at private schools, you take something that's called the London GC. During my time, now obviously it's changing. They call it IGCSE. I don't know. I don't know what the kids take now. But when I was in school, we, we were the last students to take the GCO level, which was 2009. So I was telling you, I was like, because it's not our curriculum, it's, ex- it's deemed as external. So we have to pay at the bank in pounds to pay for this exam. It was very, very pricey. Literally, I was mind blown when she was telling me all this. I said, E, so you don't even do this exam inside your school? And she was like, no, I have to go to this exam center. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wayek, yeah. So Wayek is the West African exam center. Wow. Yes, in town. So that's where you take your external exams. But because Lebanese school is listed as a center, so we took you. I think we only took math and English. Yeah. So math and English for anyone that's taken the O levels, 
is always taken at Lebanese International School. So we took it in our school, but obviously it wasn't our teachers that invigilated us. We had different teachers and we were mixed up. But yeah, so different schools that also took, like Limount, International School, whatever school that took the private O-levels or just O-levels, yeah, they would, um, they would come to our school. But everything else was set at Wayak. Interesting. Mm-hmm. No, I, don't, I don't know how I would, like... Go about that. Uh, so, yeah. I, and I, even um, government school exams, like Beke and Was, it's also, I think some of, all of the schools, sorry, all of the schools are test centers, but um, sometimes the students sit at different schools. But if they sit in their school, it obviously it's not their teacher. It's different people from different schools that invigilate them. I see. Mm-hmm. So the invigilators, you wouldn't know them? No, no, we didn't know our invigilators, yeah. So if you sit here at your school, obviously you're not allowed to know the invigilator. So it's someone from a different school that they bring. Mm. And then in the test center, it would just be people from all over. Like, it wouldn't necessarily um, be your classmates, right? No. So, because we all sat together, but they would know you by school. So, oh, no, no. So, the way yes, when we sat our O levels, we're in alphabetical order of those who are sitting the examination that year. I see. Yeah. So, we sat, yeah. So, I didn't sit to it next to any of my classmates. No. Different people. I mean, I would see them in the test center, but no, I wasn't sitting next to anyone. But if they noticed that you're from the same school, they would switch you. Oh, because of the uniform. Because of the uniform, yeah. exactly. So that's how they knew. But um, the people who invigilated us, um, I don't know. I think they're administrators of Wayek, because you do have Wayek administrators who oversee the exams. So I don't know if they were teachers, but maybe they're educational administrators. We had teachers invigilate, and I think there's like a board of invigilators as well. Um, so it would be like a mixture of like faces you don't know and then okay. faces you do you know. You do know. So. Interesting. Yeah. No, only when I took the, well, when I went back to the States, you know, in the American system, so when I took the SATs, you can choose, that's a choice, you can choose to make your school a test center in the sense that you can choose to sit at your school. So I mean, I was like, okay, my, it's just easier for me logistically, it's near the house. So I just sat my SATs at the school. I didn't know the teacher because like the school has like dozens of teachers, but I knew the classroom because I took a class before, but I didn't know the teacher who did the, um, who, well, in the American English, proctored the exam. So um, yeah, but you can sit at your school and the same thing, you just take it on a Saturday morning, you're timed, but the SATs are stressful. Yeah, external exams are just so stressful, so ing- so anxiety ridden. I don't like them. Well, thank God those days are over. Mm. <laughs> behind us so yeah so yeah as you so we're gonna end with the african proverb and the winner of our giveaway which will explain more yeah so the african proverb for this episode is a fly that has no one to advise it follows the corpse into the grave and that is a gambian proverb clap for us we actually got a country (laughs) no more african proverbs Mm. we surf bintaya we said no we have to actually find a country so um, I guess this means someone who is not advised properly, they could end up in a bad situation, whether mm. that is death or just a short life. That's yeah. how I interpret it. How mm-hmm. did you see that, Yaz? No, I think um, very similar as well. I guess uh, it can also talk about um, people who don't think for themselves. And if they just kind of like follow the crowd, then yeah. they can just lead up in any situation. So yeah, if you don't have someone or some kind of support system, advisory system, then yeah, you could fall into I a feel like that's sticky a lot situation. Of Sierra Leoneans, no shade. Mm, that's true. Yeah, I mean anyone, but yeah, yeah, I, I get you. You know, bad paddy, this and that. You know, bad friends. I mean, anyone can be Not peer even pressure. That, just guidance in general. In general, a lot of people don't have it, which is sad. But. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Mm. And our giveaway. So I'm not sure if you saw on our socials. We didn't actually announce it on the podcast. But two weeks ago on our socials, we did a. Uh, what am I saying? <laughs> I want to say a collaboration, but it's a giveaway. We did a giveaway in partnership with Mamalu's Kitchen, and we were giving away a hamper with all their goodies. So Mamalu's Kitchen, they do African snacks, um, granite, benike, kongu, you name it. They do everything. Mm-hmm. So we just had a little giveaway, and the winner is, drumroll, <laughs> Chris Callon. Yay! Woo-hoo! So get in contact with us, Chris Callon, and you can receive your goodies. Yay! So that is it for this uh, week's episode. This is the second to last episode, y'all. So that means the next episode is the last, last of the season. Of the season. Of the season. You yeah. know, we'll be back as usual. As usual, stay tuned to our updates on the socials at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Y Square Pod. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.